Well, excited to talk to you guys about Jesus tonight. Um, always excited to talk to G- about Jesus with you guys. And just to set up what's going on, we did a series in Ephesians. I'm just going to teach something out of the book of Acts tonight. Next week, we're starting a guy study and a girl study. Um, so the girls will be here. The girls are taking over the house. And the boys will be at the Garcia's house, which is also an epic house. So uh, that's going to be great. Uh, but tonight, we're just going to do something out of the book of Acts, because Acts is one of my favorite books. So here's what's going on in Acts. Jesus has been on the scene. He's lived his life. He started his ministry with his disciples. He was with his disciples for three years, spreading truth, spreading love, forgiving people. Then Jesus dies, and everyone freaks out because they think, oh my goodness, our master is dead. What are we going to do? And then Jesus surprises everybody by coming back from the dead. Um, kind of weird, kind of crazy, but it's true. And we're, of course, looking at it when, with Easter coming up. But Jesus comes back from the dead, tells everybody, if you believe in me, that's how you're saved. That's how you know you're going to heaven. That's how you know your sins are forgiven. If you just simply believe, and then he leaves to go to heaven. And as he's leaving, he tells his disciples, some of you guys know, what were his last words? We've studied this many times in junior high, if you guys remember. Jesus' last words to his disciples were not, see you later. It was, not live long and prosper. It was go and, go and make disciples. Go and multiply. Um, it wasn't, he didn't say what he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. That'd be weird. Um, <laughs> he said, go and make disciples. And so what a disciple is, is somebody who follows Jesus. So this story really focuses on two of Jesus' best friends, Peter and John. Two guys who started out just as fishermen, and Jesus changed their life forever. And now that Jesus is gone, he's left his Holy Spirit with them and said, guys, my spirit is with you, and you can do all the things that I did when I was on earth. You can do them now because I'm with you. So Acts chapter 3, verse 3. Or actually, no, sorry, verse 1. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Now the story begins with Peter and John, and they're going to church to pray. These guys, again, are followers of Jesus. They're going up to pray because they know it's important. If you guys have studied the book of Acts, basically they kick off the book of Acts by Jesus is gone. He says, guys, I've left my Holy Spirit. Everyone goes, what does that mean? So they pray, and as they're praying, they're filled with all of this power and all of this excitement. And Peter goes out, and he preaches this message in the streets, and 3,000 people come to know Jesus. It's, it's an amazing portion of, of the Bible. So they know prayer is important. They know prayer is like the fuel. It's, it's like you can't have fire without something to light it. Prayer is what lights the fire. It's just talking to God. It's so simple. So they're going to church to pray because they know That's important. So verse 2 says, A man who was lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of them entering the temple. We now meet the third character of the story. He's a lame beggar. And this this guy's whole life was lame. And I mean that really literally. To be lame means that you can't walk. But this guy's whole life was just absolutely lame. He was lame from birth. That means he couldn't walk from birth just came out and had no ability to walk. He had never walked in his life. Back then, there was no wheelchairs. People were always carried around in dumped places. So just imagine being born crippled, no wheelchairs, and your friends have to like pick you up and like carry you and set you down places. It was a miserable life. And what this guy did was he used to sit by this gate and he would just sit and beg, sit and beg all day, just ask people for money. And it was embarrassing for this guy. His whole life, he's looking around at all these other dudes, All these other guys who have jobs, who have futures, and have lives. Just imagine, you're looking at all your friends, and they can play all the sports you've always wanted to. They can play all the instruments that you've always wanted to. They can do all the things. They can go all the places, and you're just stuck sitting in the street begging people for money. This guy's life was absolutely lame. And beyond that, he was needy. He had to beg people for what he needed. I don't know if you guys have ever begged before, but it's not a great experience. It's absolutely lame. Verse 3 says, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. He was like, alms for the poor. That means basically, hey, can you spare some money? Alms were like little, little monies. So this guy has no idea who these two people are. He wasn't like, oh, it's the Jesus guys. Peter and John, these are the guys who travel, out, travel around with Jesus. He had no idea who these guys are. But the Holy Spirit is in charge. 
This is what's called a divine appointment. For those of you guys who believe in Jesus and follow him, a divine appointment is basically when God just sets you up. And it's happened to me so many times. And it can happen to you if, you're, if you believe, like if you trust that God wants it to happen and if you follow him. I remember one time I was down at Oceanside and I saw this kid on roller skates. And I felt like God was like, go talk to him. He needs to hear about Jesus. And I was like, no, I'm really, that's weird. I don't even know this kid. He's way younger than me. He's on roller skates. It was like a like 18-year-old dude on roller skates skating around. And I started to walk towards him. And then I totally chickened out and I like, just walked the other way. And I felt like convicted because it was like, God wanted me to talk to him, but I totally chickened out. So I went and sat down on the steps of, um, at the Oceanside Harbor. You guys know like that little amphitheater with like those little bleacher seats where all the skaters hang out. I just went and sat down over there, like just sat down, just completely far away from this dude. And I was all bummed out and I was praying. I was like, God, I really felt like you wanted me to talk to that kid, but I messed it up. I'm such an idiot. He skated off. Well, out of nowhere, the kid skates up and he sits down next to me and he starts talking to me. And I'm just like, okay, God, like, I'll do it. Like, it would be dumb of me not to do it now. And I end up talking to the kid and telling him about Jesus and he's totally listening. It was amazing. That's what a, a divine appointment is. God's the one who sets the appointment and you just have to walk into it. Every single one of you guys are called to these divine appointments. So they see this guy who's lame and he's begging. He's begging for money. Those of you guys who have seen uh, Disney's Robin Hood, you know, Friar Tuck puts on the, the glasses and the cup and he walks around going, alms for the poor. That's what this guy's doing. Verse four, Peter directed his gaze at him and said, as did John, um, or no, Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. They both looked at him and he said, look at us. And the man fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So Peter sees this guy and he locks on like Iron Man. He like totally like sees this guy, singles him out, like gets to like lock on vision. He's like, this guy needs help. This guy needs something. So he says, hey, you lame man. He didn't really say that. That'd be really mean. Be like, hey, hey, lame person did not say that. But he said, hey, you look at us. The man looks up because he's like, oh, sweet. These guys are going to give me something. Verse six, Peter said, I have no silver and I have no gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. This is an amazing story. And if you believe the Bible like me, this is a true story. This guy's story just went from lame to absolutely awesome. And I want you to picture it. This guy his whole life, he has never walked. He is crippled. And in an instant, Jesus changes everything. Before he had Jesus, this man had nothing. And in an instant, just imagine that. You're sitting there. You're crippled. You can't walk. And these two guys come up and you're like, hey, can I have some money to like buy a burger? Because I literally, I just sit here and beg all day. I have nothing. And they're like, oh, you know what? We don't have money, but we got something better. We got Jesus. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And in an instant, the guy's like ankle bones are made straight and his leg bones are made straight. And he's given power to his legs and he stands up and he starts walking around. This is amazing. Verse eight, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. This guy like gets up and he's like, yes. And he starts walking around. He's like, praise the Lord. This is so awesome. I can walk. This is fantastic. And it's, it's an exciting moment for these guys. So it's a simple story of healing, right? And it can seem pretty simple, but the question is like, what can we learn from it? Well, let's look at it. Let's look at the lame man. I think we can be just like this guy. I think we can be absolutely 100% lame. Don't get offended. I'm not calling you lame. Here's what I mean. When I talk about lameness, I'm not talking about like a lack of coolness, a lack of social stature. I'm talking about being crippled. Our lameness is our sin. Sin is just simply the things we do that are wrong. Murder is sin. Adultery is sin. Little tiny white lies, like the kind that we all tell, like when your teacher's like, hey, did you do your homework? And you're like, absolutely. And you know you didn't. You just copied it off your friend. Or, you know, your parents ask you like, hey, is your room clean? Because you can't go to your friend's house until your room is clean. You're like, oh my gosh, mom, it so is. You don't even need to look at it. Those little white lies that we all tell to get out of trouble. That's sin. Um, a hateful thought towards somebody, a lustful thought towards somebody, a bad attitude. Like there's big sins and there's little sins, but all of it 
is called sin because simply it's just disobedience to God. It's walking in an opposite direction of him. And here's the thing, guys. This man, he was born into crippledness, right? He came out and he's crippled. He can't walk. We were born into the crippledness of sin. We're all born crippled by our sin. And it doesn't matter if you were an ugly baby or if you were like a really cute baby and everyone thought you were really cute. No matter what, sin cripples us. When I was a kid, I lied all the time. Like all the time. I lied so much that my parents had to resort to lying to me to get me to stop lying. My parents told me that if my ears, or if I lied, my ears wiggled. They were like, hey Aaron, you better stop lying because we can tell. When you lie, your ears wiggle. And so I would be lying to them and they're like, Aaron, your ears are wiggling. I'd be like, oh my gosh, like how'd you know? How'd you know I was lying? And it's kind of sad that my parents had to lie to me to get me to stop lying. But anyway, no one had to tell me how to lie. Like my dad never like, put his arms around me and he's like, now son, it's time for you to learn how to lie. So I want you to take a cookie. And when your mom comes in and she asks you, did you take the cookie? You tell her, no mom, that's, that's a lie, son. Now you know this valuable skill. I knew how to lie instantaneously and so did all you. And if you, did, if you say you didn't, you're lying right now. Um, sin gets us to do things that are not good. One of the things is sin gets us to beg and embarrass ourselves. When we walk in sin, basically, we have this hole in our heart that we're trying to fill with anything but God. And I don't know about you guys, but when I have been in times of my life where I've been just living in sin, just like Paul says, I'm just doing the things that I know are wrong. I'm basically begging the enemy for something to fulfill me. I'm like, oh, I just need something. I need something to fill that hole in my heart. And I'm going to sin because that sin temporarily fills that hole in my heart. But in the end, it just leads to death. It's begging. And sin causes us to do embarrassing things. Lying is not something to be proud of. Stealing is not something to be proud of. Gossip, cheating on somebody, um, lusting, having pride, having anger. Those are not things that we're sitting around being proud of. Sin causes us to embarrass ourselves. Another thing is sin makes us needy. It exposes us to the emptiness we have. You might ask, you know, fill in the blank. Why does someone do what they do? Why does someone take drugs? Why does somebody lie? Why does somebody cheat on their boyfriend and girlfriend? Why does somebody, like just fill in the blank. If there's people in your life who are doing things that are not right, why does that person gossip about me? Why, why, why? The question or the answer to that question is there's a hole in their heart. And living in sin is like trying to fill a hole with acid. What happens if you try to fill a hole with acid? It just makes the hole bigger. It just corrodes at the edges and just continues to make it a bigger and wider gap. That's what all of us are doing when we're not trying to fill our hearts with Jesus. There's, that hole in our heart is specifically shaped and there's only one shape. It's kind of like if you have a circle and you're trying to put in a square piece. It's like, it's not fitting. I don't understand. Jesus is the only piece that fits in. We were created to be his friends. We were created to receive forgiveness from him and we were created to walk with him. We were like, God created us because he loves us. In the beginning, it said that God is love. And he loved us so much. He wasn't just like, oh, I need people. I need people around to entertain me. No, it says in the Bible that God is love. Like he's the very essence and concept of love. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. God is love itself. Everything that you do that is loving towards someone else, whether it's your parents or whether you have a boyfriend or girlfriend or whether you're going to be married one day, anything you do to show them love, that originates from the source of God. There's no love that can be apart from God. He's the very source of it. It's crazy. He created us not because he wanted to be amused, but because he loved us before we even existed. And he knew what we would be. And he made us because he's like, I just want to love these people. I just want to call these people my children and love them and spend time with them. That's amazing. But that beggar in the story, he doesn't know this. He doesn't know this yet. So let's go back to the story. The beggar He looks to Peter and John and he's hoping he's going to get something. He holds out his hand thinking, I'm empty. Give me money because then maybe I can buy something that'll temporarily make me not feel empty anymore. And then I'll run out and then I got to go fill back up again. He desired something. Stuff, food, silver and gold. He thought he needed it. Sometimes we can think we need the things that absolutely we don't need. When My sister Amanda was a little kid, and I was hoping she'd be here tonight so I could embarrass her, but I'll do it anyway. My sister Amanda, when she was a kid, she was not very smart. She thought (laughs) 
that the she thought the she hey when she when you were two you were when you were two you were dumb too Christian okay so when she's two years old she was not very smart and just like all of us and when she get hurt she literally thought that a band-aid would fix everything like that was the answer to every problem fall and hurt your knee put a band-aid on it stub your toe put a band-aid on it you have a cold put a band-aid on it. Like, I don't know where, but like slap a band-aid on, throwing up, like projectile vomiting. Put a band-aid on something and it'll make everything better. That's literally what she thought. She asked for band-aids like 24-7. But what she really needed in those moments she was sick was medicine. What this guy needs is not money because money will only provide temporary relief. And then the same thing is true with sin. The things that we do that make us feel good that we know are wrong those things will only provide a little bit of happiness. And once it runs out, this guy is still left with his problem. He's still crippled. What this guy needs is the cure. Verse six, check it out. Verse six, Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. It's just the same in our lives. And guys, listen, if you're sitting here and you're like, Aaron, this doesn't apply to me. I've been a Christian my whole life. I'm not crippled by sin. No, it absolutely does. Because here's the deal. Jesus saves you, yes, absolutely. If you've believed in Jesus your whole life, you are absolutely going to heaven. Rejoice in that. You're absolutely saved. But Satan is going to do everything he can to cripple you. He's going to do everything he can to make your life as a Christian miserable. He's going to tempt you in ways that you never thought were possible. He's going to attack you in ways that seem ridiculous. He is going to try to draw you away to things that seem awesome that eventually kill you that are poisonous, and he's going to try to discourage you. He's going to just try to make you doubt so much what God has taught you. He's going to come up and say, did God really say that like he did to Adam and Eve? Is that really what God told you? Did God really tell you he would always protect you? Did God really tell you that he would always look out for your family? Did God really tell you that he would take care of you, that he loves you? You've sinned so much. Did God really say he'd forgive you? Because I think you've reached the maximum limit. I think you've sinned so much that God's forgiveness has run out. That's the kind of stuff that Satan wants to tell to us. He wants to make our lives of walking with Jesus. We talked about this a couple Sundays ago. This is what Satan wants for you guys. Jesus says, walk with me. Walk on the path. What Satan wants is for you to just sit in the door of salvation. If you're saved, Satan knows he can't take you to hell. He knows that he can't win that battle, but he can just make you sit in that door of salvation and not actually walk on the path. He can make you just have a saved soul, but a wasted life. That's what Satan is after. And if, if you don't know Jesus, he's just looking to cripple you completely. Where you have no hope, you have no destiny, you have no future except hell. And there's no way you can get to life. And Jesus sees us, whether we know him or whether we don't, he sees us in that state where we're crippled by sin. And Jesus offers us the cure. The cure is to rise and walk. That's what Jesus says. He sees anyone who's crippled and says, rise and walk. What does that mean? It just means stand up and follow. If you're crippled, the question is, how do I stand up? If I'm crippled, I can't. This is the amazing thing. Jesus and only Jesus has the power to cure. And it's instantaneous. Anyone who doesn't know Jesus, it's just an instant thing. Where you, if you're just sitting there and you don't know him and you don't have any connection with him, he says, all you have to do is just rise and walk. Just simply put your faith in me and you'll be walking with me. Remember, disciples. You guys here that I've known since you guys were babies, okay? You guys are disciples. You're not just believers. We've talked about this. You're a disciple. A disciple is called to follow Jesus. Let's look at what these disciples did, and let's learn what a disciple does. Peter and John see someone in need, okay? They see somebody who's crippled. They see somebody with a hole in their heart, and they realize this person needs Christ, they could have just passed him by, which I've done many times. I've driven by homeless people and I've seen them and I've seen that they needed Jesus. Not just me to give them a couple bucks, that they need me to, me to actually tell them about Jesus. I've seen students who I could tell like, man, they need Jesus. And I've just walked by. When I was in high school and junior high, I'd see friends who I just knew were living lives that did not have Jesus in them. And I knew they needed Jesus. And I just passed them by. Maybe you've done that before, like I did with that skater. 
They see a person who needs Christ. They could have just passed them by. They could have just blown them off. They could have said, oh, that's so sad, Mr. Crippled Man. I'll pray for you, which is kind of the easy Christian out when we just see somebody in need. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'll pray for you. And then we totally don't pray for them because we forget about it instantaneously. That's a very Christianese thing to do, but I think we've all done it. And I'll admit that I have absolutely done it. These guys don't do any of that. They see somebody who's crippled and he's asking for money and they know what he needs and they give him what he needs, Jesus. In our lives, we see so many in need. We see people with a hole in their heart. You know, I've been doing, I've been doing youth ministry for a long time and I've seen many holes in many hearts. I've seen people who are lonely, who just are so lost in their loneliness. I've seen people who just seem lost in life, like they have no future, where it's just aimless. I've seen young dudes who like just are like, I have no future. I'm just going to smoke weed and just do nothing because that's what my life is supposed to be about. I've seen people who have just a crushing sense of how unpopular they are. People who just feel like I will never be cool. I will never be popular. I will never have anything going for me. I've seen people struggling with sadness and depression. Uh, People who are just feel like they're in a deep hole and they will not be able to get out of this depressive state. And if, if you guys could please pay attention, I'd really appreciate it, those of you guys over there. I've seen people who are trying to find satisfa- satisfaction in relationships. People who are thinking, I've seen, I've seen girls who just feel so like down and depressed on themselves and they think a guy, that's what will fulfill me. That's what will make me happy, a relationship. But it just leads to broken hearts. I've seen cutters who feel like that is going to take away the pain. Like that's going to make them feel better. I've seen suicidal kids who think that's the only way out of their situation is to end it. Drug users and abusers, all these different things. And the answer to all of those problems is that they need Christ. He's the only cure. And guys, you see these people all the time in your schools. And you must realize, you have to realize this. Listen, you have to realize. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how long you've been walking with Jesus. You have to realize You were just like these guys at one time. You have to realize you were lost at one point. You had no hope. And you might be like, Aaron, like I was born a Christian. Like my parents were Christians. Listen, it doesn't matter. (laughs) The point is without Christ, you would be lost. You would have nothing. You would have, it's, it's like the person who's born into like a wealthy home and being proud of it and then seeing people in the streets who don't have anything and refusing to give them things. That's, that's what we can be like. And I think, I think Peter saw something in that cripple. I think he saw himself. I think he saw himself before he met Jesus and he realized before I met Jesus, I was just like this crippled man. I was crippled by my sin and Jesus was the only one who could set me free. If you've been a Christian your whole life, be thankful that God has shown you the mercy and grace to put you in the family you are in now. But know that one sin is enough to cripple you. One sin is enough to separate you from God. And guys, we've all sinned much more than one sin, including me. Isn't that crazy? It's not like, oh yeah, like Hitler, he's really, really going to hell. (laughs) But everybody else, like they're just kind of going to hell. It's like, no, like if I didn't have Jesus, if I lived a perfect life, but I told one little white lie, I would be getting just as much hell as Hitler did. It's not a question of like, is God mean? It's a question of, is sin poisonous? What's the result of sin? It's death. Sin kills us. There's no hope and escape from sin besides Jesus Christ. Sin cripples, but Jesus taught us to walk with him. Guys, we, you guys right now in this circle who follow Jesus, we're the cripples who've been healed. And those of you guys, think of right now, what are your sins? What do you struggle with? What are your problems? And I don't want to bum you out, but think about it. We all have problems. We all have sins. We all have struggles. Think about it. What what is your sin? Without Jesus, that sin right now in your life would be amplified a hundred times. I think about that in my own life. I know my own struggles. I know my own problems. Without Jesus, those sins in my life would just be so much more like just depressive and prevalent. Like they'd be taking over my life. And it's because of Jesus that I've been freed from those sins and I can walk with him. So when you see those cripples, and who are those cripples? Maybe it's the girl at your school who seems to have it all together, but you know she's desperately sad on the inside. 
Maybe it's the young man at your school who sits by himself at the lunch tables every day. Maybe it's the sister who ran away from home or the uncle who's always drunk. The kid who goes from relationships to relationship thinking it'll make them happy, but each time just makes them feel emptier. Those people are the cripples who haven't found the cure yet. And those are the people we need to care about. So often we pass them by and we think someone else will reach them. Someone else more spiritual than me will talk to them. So often we smile and say, wow, your story is sad. God bless you. I'll be praying for you. But instead we ought to do what these disciples did. They didn't give them silver and gold. They didn't even give them like positive language. Like, hey buddy, it's all gonna be okay. It's all gonna work out. Your crippledness will go away. No, they gave him what they need. They gave him Jesus. Verse six, Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They give him Jesus. And guys, the cripples in your life, they need to hear what Jesus has done. They need to hear that Jesus was God and he saw us in our sin. He saw us all in our big sins and our little sins. He saw our struggles. He saw the depression. He saw the pain, even though we act tough on the outside and try to hide it. He saw the lonely nights. He saw the empty hearts. He saw the times where we are just like Peter said, just overwhelmed by our own sin just overwhelmed by how bad we feel we are. He saw the people who had people they thought were their friends and family members tell them, you're ugly, you're not cool, you can never make it. You're gonna be worthless your whole life. Some of you guys might've even been told that by friends or relatives or by enemies, that you're worthless, that you'll never amount to anything. He saw all those people. And he said, they're separated from God. They're divided from him. God is here. They're there. And there's this gap in between them. And he saw that people were trying to build their own bridges but across that gap. He saw that people were trying to, through their own ways of trying to be happy, build a bridge. And he saw them falling to their deaths. And he said, no more. He said, I, I can't let this happen. I cannot let people be separated from God's love because they were made for God's love. But he saw our sin, every single one of us. He saw what we did. He he saw the lies. He saw the disobedience. He saw the attitudes. He saw the hate and the anger and the bitterness. He saw every rape. He saw every murder. He saw every horrible thing that had ever happened in humanity. And he said, these people are dying. Humanity is dying. There's a disease that they have and I'm gonna rescue them. And he knew the only cure was blood. Someone had to die. Those were the rules. Somebody had to pay a price. And that's why he sent his son Jesus down to earth to die, to live a perfect life and to die. Think about that. I know most of you guys have been in church your whole life and you hear this all the time, but literally think of that. A perfect God coming to earth, living their life as just a human and being dissed and put down, being like just mistreated. Jesus went through high school too. (laughs) Jesus like had bad days in school where people were making fun of him probably because they thought he was the goody two shoes. People were terrible to Jesus. And in the end, they ripped out his beard and shoved a crown of thorns on his head and beat his back until it bled and they shoved glass in his back and they called him names and they accused him of doing things that he never did and they nailed him to a cross. And the whole time he had you in his heads. The whole time he remembered, because remember, he's, he's been around since the beginning of existence. And he remembered you before you were even born. He, re, he remembered back to creation when he made the first humans. Jesus, in, in, when he's on that cross, he's remembering you and your sin and the things that you've done. And you haven't even been born yet, which is crazy. But he's outside of time and he's remembering everything that's ever happened, all the sins, all the horrible things. And in those moments, he was like, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for them. I'm doing it for me, for Aaron, for you. He died for us and he laid down his life so that we could have life. And then he simply wasn't like, all right, I died. So now you have to follow this list of 25 hundred rules 
And then because I died, I paid such a great price. If you follow all the rules, then you'll be saved. He said, all you have to do is believe in me. All you have to do is follow me. All you have to do is just look at me and go, thank you for what you did. I accept it. He, he holds to every single one of us this free gift. And many of you guys, like I said, Jesus did this great thing for us and we just are sitting in the doorway of salvation and we're not walking on the path. I want to continue as your pastor to encourage you, walk on the path because if you're not walking on the path, you're a target for the enemy. If you're not following Jesus, you're a prime target. God wants to walk with you so he can, because listen, when, when you're just sitting in that doorway of salvation and you're not really walking with Jesus, every time you fall down, you're just going to stay down. But if you're walking that path with Jesus. Every time you sin, every time you mess up, Jesus is there to say, hey, get back up and keep walking. Yeah, I know you sinned. I know you messed up. I know you made a mistake, but I died for those mistakes. Some of you guys who've grown up in the church, you feel like God is constantly mad at you because you know your sins. You know what you do when no one else is around. Like you, you know what's in your head. You know those bitter thoughts or those lustful thoughts or those angry thoughts. You know that dishonesty. You, you know yourself. And sometimes we can just beat ourselves up about our sin. And God is like, no, that's the enemy. He just wants to kick you and make you feel worthless and miserable. Jesus says, I know you fell. Get back up and keep walking. Only Jesus can bring that kind of healing. Only Jesus can bring that kind of help. And it was through Jesus's name that this man was healed. Remember, when trying to reach the cripples in your life, you can do nothing without Christ. You can't give them any advice that will really help them unless Jesus is the center of that advice. It's kind of like sometimes we think, oh, I just need to be a good person to somebody and help them. But like we, we can have people in our lives and maybe like we're helping them. Maybe we're lending them money. Maybe we're giving them good advice. But if they die without knowing Jesus, they will be separated from him forever. There's a great missionary that I love named K.P. Yohannan. And uh, one of the things K.P. said is there's some missionary groups who will take bottles of water and food to countries that don't know Jesus and they'll give them the bottles of water and they'll give them the food, but they won't really talk about Jesus. And KP said, he's this Indian guy. And he's like, that is ridiculous. I'm not gonna try to do the accent. But KP says, that's ridiculous because they will have a full stomach on their way to hell. They'll have full stomachs and they'll have quenched thirst, but they'll be in hell. So what's the point? Give people food, give people water, but give them Jesus more than anything. We have to have the power of God's Holy Spirit when we do this. When we follow Jesus, when we try to tell people about him, when we try to live our lives as believers, we've got to have the power of Jesus. And you know what? Some of you guys, I think you, you don't really tap into that power. You're kind of like a guy who goes into a store and buys a chainsaw. And he's like, this, is, this chainsaw is going to be awesome. I love this chainsaw. And then he goes home and he tries to like chop down a tree, but he doesn't turn on the chainsaw. He's just like sawing at the tree with the chainsaw. And he's like, this chainsaw doesn't work. It's like, no, you have a very powerful tool, but you're not turning on the power. In the same way, guys, you have God with you, but if we're not praying and asking God for help, it's like that chainsaw, but we haven't turned on the power. So we're just trying to do it on our own strength. We're trying to be a Christian and do good things in our own strength. Guys, and I'm so guilty of it. For me, it's busyness. I'm so busy. And I know you guys probably feel that same way with sports and with choir and with extra school activities and with friends and with parents and with chores. Like you guys probably feel just as busy as I do. And I'm not gonna be one of those old guys who's like, I'm more busy than you guys. Like we're, we're all busy. Most of us are very busy, busy life. That's what stops me. And today I was like exercising. I walked for like an hour and 45 minutes over at Guelmi Park and I was just charging it and just walking. And I was listening to these books uh, being read that were like Christian books, you know, like learning things about theology and God. And I was listening and the whole time I was doing it, I felt like God was like, just stop for a minute and talk to me. And I was like, no, God, I've got to exercise. And then I've got to leave and set up for church. And I'm listening to people talk about you. And God was like, just talk to me. I love you. Like, just, just take a second and talk to me. Just stop your busyness just for a second and, and just be with me. And so I found a bench and I was like, okay. And I pulled out my headphones and guys, that 15 minutes, I just sat there and talked to God. It was the best part of my day. And I felt this strength come in me that was so different. I had crippledness today. I was so busy. I was so stressed out today. And just time with Jesus instantly cured me of that crippledness. And I felt like, man, I can walk with Jesus now today. We need his power. 
We all need his power. Whoever you are in this circle, you can't live your life and have a good life, a fulfilling life, a lasting life without the power of God's spirit in your heart. I want to ask you guys, when it comes to talking about Jesus, are you bold to speak the name of Jesus? Are you embarrassed? I used to be embarrassed a ton. I still get embarrassed sometimes. Uh, when I, I went to a Christian school. Many of you guys go to Calvary. Calvary Christian. Had the name Christian. And anytime I was a kid and someone asked me what school I went to, I was like, um, it's this private school in Vista. I never would say Calvary Christian because I didn't want to say the word Christian because I was ashamed. I thought people would think I was a weirdo. But guys, I've been thinking about it. It's like, if we had the cure for cancer, like, would we be embarrassed about that? No, we'd be like, let's go find some people who have cancer and give them the cure. Like, if we had the cure for it, we'd be stoked. We wouldn't be like, if someone, like, we saw someone with cancer and we're like, what's in that briefcase? And we had the, you know, the cure in it. We wouldn't be like, oh, you know, it's just some pills. You know, nothing special. That's sometimes how we treat our faith. It's like, oh, you know, it's just this church I go to. It's just this thing I do. It's nothing special. Guys, we have the cure for spiritual cancer, and which is way more deadly. Because whether you have cancer or not, physical cancer will kill your body, but spiritual cancer will kill you forever and ever and ever. We have the cure for it. We need to speak up. God has called every single one of you guys who've put your faith in Jesus to share that faith. And you might say, but I'm scared. Know this, guys, God is with you. He is with you when you share that faith, whether it's on a mission trip to Uganda or whether it is right here in your school in this place. God is with you. He will get the job done. Absolutely. All he asks is for a willing heart. There's this guy who, uh, uh, he was a army guy. This is, he was a pastor later on, but when he was in the army, he was a private in the army and he put his faith in Jesus. And he really felt like he wanted to tell people about Jesus. And he had a bunk mate. He had a guy who was on the top bunk who became his partner on the battlefield. This is during the Vietnam War. And he really wanted to tell this guy about Jesus. And he'd start to talk to him. And his friend would just be like, oh, Steve, don't tell me about that Jesus guy. I don't want to hear about it. Like, don't, don't even bother. Don't give me that religious stuff. And he's trying to tell him, like, no, it's not a religion. It's a relationship with God. And he loves you. He's like, no, I don't want to hear about it. Well, what this guy ended up doing was he made a bunch of flashcards. This is a really interesting story, but it's really encouraging. He made a bunch of flashcards. And he wrote just Bible verses on it. Just the Bible, just scripture. He wrote them on the cards. And then he told the guy, listen, bunkmate, buddy, I need your help. I'm taking this class and we're studying scripture and I need help studying for it. Can you please hold these flashcards and, and read them and make sure I have them right? And he would do this with him all the time. He would do this with him probably three times a week. He'd do flashcard Bible verses. The guy reading the flashcards ends up giving his life to God. You know what it was? It was just the word of God. His friend didn't have to preach. His friend didn't have to like say anything. It was just the word of God. Guys, never underestimate the word of God. Sometimes I teach these Bible studies and I see you guys talking to one another and I see you guys kind of fidgeting. And sometimes I hear some of you guys are like, Aaron, your messages are too long. And I agree, they are. But, <laughs> but I, sometimes I doubt. I'm like, is anyone even listening? You know, does this even make sense to anybody? Is this even making an impact? There's been so many times where I've just been down on myself and I'm like, man, like teaching the Bible doesn't even matter. And then someone will come up to me and they're like, man, like what you said, like this verse, when you brought up this verse, that God spoke to me so much. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that verse. It must've been a really small part of my study, but God used it to bless somebody. Guys, never underestimate what the word of God can do. Start using it. The Bible calls it a sword. We're in a battle. Use the sword. Like start blessing others with scripture, like text each other scripture, Instagram each other scripture, <laughs> send people the word of God. Like, don't just let your pastor do it or your youth pastor do it or your counselors do it. Like you guys have the entire word of God at your fingertips, literally at your fingertips. Give it to people. That's what they need. And guys, listen, some people won't find out until it's too late. Some people won't find out until it's too late that someone had to pay the price. And they think they can do it themselves, but they can't. And then it's like, let someone else, who would be so nice? Who would, who would be so nice to pay a debt that wasn't theirs? That's what the Bible calls sin. It's a debt 
we've all messed up. And it's like, we've, we've, we've created this entire giant debt in the bank. And it's like, who's gonna pay that? Jesus absolutely wants to pay that debt for us. He wants us to follow him. And if you're here and your debt is paid, that's something that needs to be shown to other people. That's something that's amazing. If any of you guys here, if you owed somebody like a million dollars, you're like, I'm never gonna be able to pay that back. You took out a loan, you got a really rich friend who had a million bucks. You're like, bro, give me a million. He gives you a million and then you go spend it all. I don't, know how, I don't know how you could spend a million bucks, but you go out and do it. You spend a million dollars and now you've got this giant debt over your heads. If somebody came and paid that debt, you would be so stoked. You would be like amazed. You would not stop talking about that guy. I've kind of put it this way. If, uh, if you were walking across the street and a giant semi-truck started coming towards you, and all of a sudden, you're about to die, you're about to get hit. And like one of your best friends jumps in front of the bus, pushes you out of the way, and that guy gets crippled for life. Like just paralyzed from the waist down. And now he has to be in a wheelchair. You're not going to be like, thanks, buddy. Good luck. And then leave. You're going to be like, this guy is amazing. Your friend. If your friend's in that wheelchair and they're crippled, they saved your life. You're going to tell people about that. You're going to walk up to people, and if people, you're at a party and you have your friend with you in the wheelchair, you're not going to be like, oh, don't mind him. You're going to be like, this guy's amazing. He saved my life. If it wasn't for him, I'd be dead. That's, that's, that's Jesus. Jesus defeated death for us. He died for us. We need to be excited about him. Jesus, doesn't need, Jesus needs to stop being like, oh, yeah, it's Wednesday. It's Jesus Day. I got to go hear somebody talk about Jesus. Jesus needs to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to hear other people talk about Jesus and then I'm gonna learn more about Jesus and then I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna talk to Jesus because he's my best friend. And please guys, we've been together long enough that I hope that you're not expecting me and the counselors and and Brooklyn to carry you on the road of following Jesus because the reality is no one can carry you. You have to follow him for yourself. It has to be your own faith. You have to make the steps yourself. And like I said, some people won't find out until it's too late. My grandpa, Ron, I've told many of you guys this story before. But my grandpa, Ron, was old, really old. And he had lived a life running away from God. And everyone in his family knew Christ. Everyone in his family was cured from that crippleness. And for some reason, Grandpa Ron just decided to stay crippled. And we tell him about Jesus. And we tell him, like, Grandpa, like, all you got to do is just believe. Like, you don't have to, like, change, like, too much. Like, you don't have to, like, become some super churchy church person and, like, go to church every day. Like, Grandpa, all you got to do is just start, just start with believing Jesus. Just believe in him. Just ask him into your heart. Just ask him to be a part of your life. And he just resisted. I remember my, my earliest memories of praying are praying for Grandpa Ron. Just praying for him. Lord, I don't want him to go to hell. I don't want him to be without you. Please save him. Please save him. Please save him. And we just, me and my sisters and my cousins, we just, we didn't stop giving up. But, you know, Grandpa Ron moved away to Alaska because he was running away from the IRS. And he thought if he lived in Alaska, he could not pay his taxes. Um, he was a chain smoker, heavy drinker, just, just wasting his life completely. Not being in our lives, not being a part of our lives, running away from his problems, running away from his sin. And just... The whole time Jesus is knocking on his door and he's just resisting and resisting. He doesn't want to open up his door. And he ends up falling. And he ends up going to the hospital, you know, because when an old person falls, that, I mean, it's not like when we fall. When we fall, we're okay. When an old person falls, it messes them up really bad. He goes to the hospital, they look at him and they're like, it's a really good thing you fell because you had no idea how sick you were. His lungs were like blackened from the smoke. His liver was just destroyed from the alcohol, like he was dying. And they told him, you don't have much time left. And it was literally at the last minute, days before he died, that he called a pastor, had him come into his room. And he said, okay, I, I want to I wanna go to heaven. Tell me about this Jesus guy. How do I do it? 
and he repented from his sin and he asked Jesus in his heart and I believe I'm gonna see him in heaven one day and I'm so blessed, I'm so happy. I remember just crying when I heard that. But listen, my grandpa, as much as I love him, had a saved soul and a wasted life. And we don't want that to be us. We don't wanna wait till the last minute. Whether you've never given your life to Jesus or whether you're saved, but you're just sitting in that door of salvation, not doing anything with your life. You don't wanna wait You want to commit yourself to Jesus now. You want to follow him. I'm going to go off my notes because we're out of time. I just want to close with a couple things. I want you guys to know that Jesus loves you so much. So much. Like, (laughs) he thinks about you all the time. And he thinks good things about you. Not, oh, they blew it again they messed up. He thinks, I love them. I love you so much. He's always dreaming up plans for you. Some of you guys might be in a place right now where you feel like there's no real future. It's kind of uncertain. And it's like, I just got to get through. And school is like an obstacle that I've got. It's like an obstacle course I've got to get through until I can really enjoy my life. But you're, maybe a lot of you guys are thinking like, I have no future after high school. Like, I'm not going to go to some cool college. I'll probably just, I'll just go nowhere. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Guys, God is dreaming amazing, beautiful, wonderful plans for your life. And he wants you to be a part of that dream. And like Ben Corson says, if you're close to him, you'll get that secondhand dreaming, like secondhand smoke, but good. That's what he wants for you. If, uh, if I have a little sheepy, little sheep, <laughs> you know, and uh, if I'm like seven miles away from that sheep, That sheep's not going to hear my voice. I can yell at it. I can scream at it. That sheep's not going to hear me. Guys, we're the sheep. God is the shepherd. Your distance to God doesn't have anything to do really with him. We kind of choose for ourselves what our distance is. It's like the story of the prodigal son we looked at on Sunday. You can run away from God. You can walk away from him. You can be far away from him. And you're not going to hear his voice. But here's the story that Jesus tells there was a lost sheep, one lost sheep. There was a, it's just the sprinklers. There was a shepherd who had hundreds of sheep, but one little sheep ran away. One little sheep wandered off. One little sheep wasn't in the flock. And the shepherd left the other sheep and he went and he found that sheep and he brought him home. If you're here right now and you're backslidden straight up like you're here and you're just like I'm so guilty of all the sins I've done lately I haven't been talking to Jesus I haven't been praying I've been slipping I've been struggling I've been sliding guys Jesus is like I am coming for you and if you'll come back with me I'll take you back he's not going to force you but when Jesus finds you when you're in that backslidden state when you're when you're just like man God I don't I don't even know if I can follow you anymore because I'm such a sinner when God comes to you he's not like hey punk get your act together and then get back over there. He sees us in our crippledness. He sees us in our brokenness. And he's like, let me carry you. Let me pick you up and let me carry you back. And if that's you today, I want to pray. I want to pray for you because I love you guys. And Jesus loves you. And I want you guys to know that he loves you desperately. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are, how, how much Bible you know, or how long you've been a Christian. Like you just need to know right now, whoever you are, Jesus loves you. And he's got a plan for you and a future if you'll just follow him, if you'll just walk with him on that path. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for these students. God, thank you for the story of the crippled man. God, I was so crippled before I had you. And yeah, I was born a pastor's kid. I was born into a Christian home. But I went through a time, Lord, where I just doubted you, Jesus. I looked into other religions because I wanted to know what they were all about. And I didn't really have a committed heart to you. And I thank you, God, that in about sixth or seventh grade, that was when you really woke up my heart to you. You awakened my soul. And you showed me how to walk on the path. And God, (laughs) I'm learning so much about that path every day. I don't have it all together. I'm still learning. And I'm so thankful that's how it is, that I get to learn about you every day. Jesus, for these students... Help them, Lord, to realize that they're, they're crippled by sin. Whether they believe in you or not. Whether they've been walking with you for one day or for 10 years. 
Sin absolutely cripples us. Help us to see sin as something that is wrong, something that kills us, something that cripples us. And help us, Lord, whenever we fall down, to take our broken bones to you, to take our mess-ups and our failures and our mistakes and just bring them before you and say, Jesus, you're the doctor, fix me. Please forgive me. Please help me. God, I, I, I just sense that there's many students here who don't really think about their sin and they brush their sin under the rug and they mess up and they disrespect their mom and they, they, they disrespect their dad and, and they're dishonest in school and they, they gossip. And, and Lord, they don't think about it. They, they don't even think it's wrong. And that's the, that's the worst kind of crippleness when we're crippled and we don't even realize it. God, I pray that you would wake them up to realize that sin is wrong and it needs to be turned from. God, help them with the poison. Help them and and remove that poison. Help them to realize that sin is something that's serious to you, but God, it is something that you are so willing to heal us from and help us with. God, if there's anyone here tonight, any high school student who is struggling with sin, but they haven't turned to you, Maybe they've been a Christian their whole life, but they're just trying to get through their sin and their life on their own and do it on their own. God, I pray that they would stop tonight and that they would do it in the power of your spirit, that they would let you help them, that they would turn to you. God, I ask that we would all turn to you no matter how long we've been a Christian, that we would turn to you tonight and make tonight a night where we say in our hearts, Jesus, I love you. And I want to follow you again and again and again. And I pray that they'd go home tonight. And before they go to sleep, Lord, they would talk to you. Because, Lord, you saved us. You died that bloody death on that cross. Not just so we could be saved from our sins, but so we could have a relationship with you. So we could have a friendship with you. God, I pray this Easter we wouldn't take that relationship in vain. We wouldn't just go to an Easter service and then go home and do an egg hunt with our little brothers and sisters and eat chocolate bunnies. But that we would take the time to thank you and talk to you and remember you and and ask you for help and ask you, God, what's the next step in my life? God, what's the next step you have for me? God, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to follow you? What can I do to, to help your mission and your kingdom? God, I pray for these students, you would help them not just to be believers, but to be disciples and followers of you even tonight. We love Jesus and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.